0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Fantastic Minute, the show where we talk about Wes Anderson's fantastic film, Fantastic Mr. Fox, one minute at a time. My name is Tyler Boudreaux. And I am Condra Boudreaux. We're here to tell you all about something very important to us, Minute 61 of Fantastic Mr. Fox, which begins with reluctant agreement and ends with a chuckling mouse. Condra, what do you think of this minute?
1: Honestly, this minute is very important to me, so um it has some of my favorite things about this movie in it um it does roll call in such a good way and it's really just fun you also have a great song in the background which is always important to me too do you want to get started with that
0: well uh i think i have a quick funny thing to say and then i think we should do something else and then we'll get into the song okay okay Okay, fun thing in in terms of movie roll calls, where does this one stack up against, say, hairspray?
1: Oh man, hairspray is wicked good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hmm, I don't think it's as good as hairsprays, but it's really good. I think it's better than The Nightmare Before Christmas's. And this is Halloween, like when they go through all the monsters at the beginning.
0: That's kind of like a whole musical number where they introduce all the different monsters, though. Yeah. Although there is like the uh, like like I am the wind blowing through your hair. Exa- I am the yeah the blah 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 blah. Yeah, exactly. But like it's it's more drawn out. It's not like a like a boom 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 boom.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think. You know,
0: like this one is. It's a boom 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 da boom.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think of another one then, and I nothing nothing is coming to me.
0: You got like a—it's the sort of thing that would happen in like a Lego movie, listing all the Batman villains or something. Mm.
1: It did—that did happen in the Lego Batman movie, actually. (laughs) No, I think this one's really up there for me. I think just it's super quirky, and how they roll call and like what kind of elements you're learning in this roll call really make it stand out to me.
0: Yeah, that's definitely interesting. And then the other thing I wanted to say before we jump into like the uh the fun part of this minute with the music and stuff is uh I think we should talk about this moment right after Felicity says I will and raises her hand and uh the rest of the the guys, I think it's badger, weasel and mole.
1: Yeah. Or is it beaver?
0: Might it might, might be beaver. That's that that's true. They all uh, kind of like reluctantly go like, "Yeah, all right." I'm which is like a funny funny moment because uh, obviously Felicity's like raising her hand and agreeing to help Mr. Fox is like a a powerful moment. It, it's of like forgiveness. Mhm. Go ahead.
1: It's badger, beaver, weasel, and mole. There's four on the screen.
0: Okay. Yeah, so yeah, Felicity has this kind of strong moment of like growth between, like, growth in their relationship, and then everyone else is like, yeah, I guess I'll help. Like, what else am I going to do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, it is, it's kind of funny. I don't think it holds the, like, it kind of diminishes Felicity's choice and, like, what we were talking about last minute with, like, the weight behind it, but it's still appropriate, and it, like, fits in well.
0: I, I kind of take the, the angle that, like, serious drama is is not weakened by comedy, but can be strengthened by comedy. So by having that contrast, it's actually a stronger moment.
1: Maybe it's just because we're watching it minute by minute then.
0: Yeah. And so, yeah, and then we kick into this kind of fun montage. Condor, what song do we hear?
1: Tyler, we hear the delightful Beach Boys with their song, I Get Around which came out in 1964, released as a single in May uh, with the B-side Don't Worry Baby. It was... Don't Worry Baby. Exactly. It was their first number one charting song. So, like, it was their first song to hit number one in the United States. And in the UK, it was number seven. um, And that was their first top ten in the UK. So really big song for the Beach Boys and really put them on the map as like charting like kind of really memorable folks. It was later released on the album All Summer Long later that year in 1964. And it really like started the Beach Boys craze in a lot of ways. It was it was a big deal for them. And I mean to get it paired with Don't Worry Baby which is also a wonderful song. It, it's a re- I, I love the Beach Boys. I'm I, I unabashedly love them. Um, I've seen them a whole bunch of times. I've had the good fortune of seeing Brian Wilson perform with them. And the fun thing about this song, it is not on the soundtrack. So bonus track for y'all. Congratulations.
0: Yeah, I I I, I was gonna say it's not on the soundtrack. I didn't know that this was like the first big Beach Boys song. I d- I don't think I knew what was the first big Beach Boys song. So. Like I, I had no way of I wouldn't have made a guess, but I didn't know that this was the one.
1: Yeah. Um, and I was reading a little bit more about their writing process and um, like how they came to this song. And it's actually kind of interesting because this is for those that are Beach Boys fans. This is um, kind of the recording session that took away Brian's father from being their manager they were just so done with his style, and they didn't think it was quite what they wanted, so they fired him after this recording session. Um, and that brought in the whole new era of the Beach Boys in some ways. And then it just—it's probably not like today one of their biggest songs, but it is. I would say it is. It's. I love this song so much. It's—it's
0: it's, it's one of the few Beach Boys songs that I can like enjoy and tolerate. So yeah.
1: I I just I like this song a lot. Um it's it, like I I find people always think about like the Beach Boys in comparison to the Beatles and they're just such a different like group and they have a very different dynamic in this era that I I just think it's like interesting to think about them as they're getting started and how it all works out for them.
0: Yeah, that's what I was that's what I was gonna ask because 1964 is like peak hard days night Beatles Beatlemania, mm-hmm. and I was wondering if uh, when they hit number one, if they knocked the Beatles off or what the situation there was. I, but that that's okay if you don't have that answer. Right
1: I, now. I do not know um, who else was on the chart when that one came out. I can, if you want to talk a little bit, I can try and find it really quickly.
0: Yeah, so I'll just kind of start introducing this whole like montage of things because uh, Fox is. He just said that he's. That everyone's going to use their beautiful differences to come together and fix this crazy whatever it is. And so in order to do that, he needs to kind of go around to every single person and ask them what their skills are. The first thing he asks is, uh, does anyone know shorthand? And uh, Linda Otter raises her hand, and he runs up to her and says, Linda, Lutra Lutra. And then we get this kind of nice title card on the screen, caption as it were. Uh, that says Lutra Lutra, which is obviously the scientific Latin name for otters. L U T R A, L U T R A. That's something that happens in Latin names sometimes, is that it, just the same word gets repeated. And uh, I, I did Google all of the species names that he mentions, and uh, Lutra Lutra is real. It's the Eurasian otter that they're finding throughout Europe and Asia. It's a thing. Linda does, in fact, know shorthand, and he asks her if she has dry paper. Which she also miraculously has, and she starts taking down notes for the rest of the montage. So, Condra, uh, any updates? On- I do.
1: So, it did not knock off a Beatles song. It knocked off um, "A World Without Love" by Peter and Gordon. It had been on the charts for over two month or over a month and a half before hitting that number one, and the Billboard ranked it number five. In the year of nineteen sixty-four. It was number one for two weeks after being replaced by Ragdoll by the four seasons or Frankie Valley in the four seasons, which was right around the time that Frankie Valley was like really big. The four seasons were like that was it was after Sherry, but they were still really big at that point. So no Beatles involved in this couple months of Billboard's charts.
0: It's possible that this is also like just before the Beatles hit America. I'm I'm not solid on my dates. I have no in idea the, when that, that regard. I don't
1: know when the Ed Sullivan show happened that year. So
0: Yeah, I know like broadly like She Loves You was the first song to hit it big in America and like obviously A Hard Day's Night happened and then like that one was really big everywhere. And Yeah. What was I going to say? I, I I think 1964 is still when you're kind of in this the, before like the the shift of culture from like like doo pop rock to like more serious rock and i think the beach boys while while being in the tradition of the kind of more like doo harmony rock do kind of also work their way in that transition uh they're they're pretty pivotal in that way Absolutely. so i won't sell them short in that regard but i do think they could have done more to change with the times
1: yeah, I mean, I think there's pet they sounds. Took, so. Yeah,
0: I think they took the production value of the future and did it to to make kind of the same like the old fashioned songs. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Beatles like totally changed what the music sounded like. Yeah,
1: definitely. So it's it's
0: it's different, but like we don't need to get into the theories of the '60s, especially since neither of us were there.
1: Yeah while you were talking about Linda it was funny I did think also about the um, the dry paper because we don't really know how long it's been since the flood and some paper does dry really quickly so it might it might be like genuinely dry because it's been a day or so um, it's a little unclear in the timeline one thing I noticed with Linda is she's got this really snazzy necklace that's got a little dye um, like a rolling dice die on her like as part of the necklace but there's no other one throughout the chain which i thought was kind of interesting and then the other thing i was thinking about was is linda's only talent shorthand she has to have (laughs) other talents don't sell this lady short she is more than a secretary dang it
0: yeah i I will say like this is like really the only woman who gets to speak in this minute and like the one thing she's doing is like taking notes for the men yeah and it's it's the same thing we keep coming back to is like and it's the, it's the th- it it frustrates me that we have to keep harping on this because not not because I like hate women, but because like the idea that like it's so easy to like just include women in your narrative, not as like token secretaries or token wives. What's like why couldn't weasel be a woman or why couldn't beaver be a woman it, like some stuff like that.
1: Exactly.
0: And it's, like, I get I get that it's, like, pseudo, like, 60s and that, like, you wouldn't cast the television show Mad Men like that because it's specifically about gender dynamics. And I think there, part of that plays into this. Mr. Fox certainly is a sexist in some ways, and that, like, plays into his character growth. But also, like, it's a kid's movie. Like, we don't need to keep going back to this well of, like, men learning to appreciate women as more than just secretaries and wives like i don't know
1: no i completely agree with you and i think that's why i keep bringing it back up because it is so easy to just not do this and it it gets frustrating especially when you see it like so pervasively throughout media and i mean we've definitely grown a lot in the last 10 years since fantastic mr fox was released what? But at the same time, there are other instances where I'm like, we're still in the 50s. Like it's so back and forth so frequently and it just frustrating. But also I am hopeful that there are new opportunities for content creators to diversify stories and really inspire more people and include more people. So more people feel represented. And I mean, there's so there's so far. They need to go so much further in so many ways with so many people and so many different identities and experiences. And I think that's one of the really incredible potentials that movies hold is there are so many stories to tell. It's just a matter of convincing some people who are a bit quote-unquote traditional that these stories are worthy of being told, which they absolutely are. And I think books especially, like, children's books in some ways, have been doing it better for so much longer than other media.
0: Yeah. But... Well, that's because, uh, like, writing has always... Not always, but has, for a much longer time, been a space available to women.
1: Definitely. So I just... I think we're making progress. It's definitely not as fast as I would like it a lot of the time. Um, Oh, for sure. But...
0: But we got... We got Captain Marvel coming out next week. I'm
1: so excited for Carol Danvers to be on a big screen.
0: And, uh, so yeah, I was, I was going to say, I think like Fantastic Mr. Fox and let's say Breaking Bad are like, those are the end of like your conflicted, let's, like, those, let's, let those be the last great conflicted male narratives. Like, let's cut it off there. And then symbolically, uh, when, when Sean Bean's head gets cut off in Game of Thrones and we realize that the world is much bigger than, than just this one guy this like this one conflicted father figure and that it's about everyone not just him spoilers for game of thrones sorry
1: i've never and seen i think it, that
0: so. ka- that symbolically opens the world up and like let's yeah let's learn about everyone speaking of diversity uh mr fox goes on to uh talk to several different species in this minute at least we have species diversity in this movie uh Take that, Hollywood. Always casting humans.
1: I mean, there's some good reasons why they don't cast animals anymore. Because, you know, they weren't so good (laughs) to the animals. I'm okay with some of these CG animal stories. Because, you know, I'd prefer that to the alternative of them abusing animals.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then we go on to Mole, who is uh, Talpa Europea. It's literally just the European Mole. Not much. What does is "tulpa"?
1: Does it translate to something? Did you? I don't know what you looked up in terms of like. I didn't
0: look up any like actual Latin translations, okay? Because that would have just been like way too much work. But if you want to go onto Whitaker's words, be (laughs) my guest. I
1: love Whitaker's words. That's where it's at, man. (laughs) Um, no, I'm not. That is a very specific reference. I'm not kidding, though. I do actually love Whitaker's words. (laughs)
0: And uh, Mole's skill was he can see in the dark, and Fox is like, cool, we can use that. And then after after every person he checks, he, like, says Linda, and Linda says, got it. And then, like, there's this kind of funny thing where every time that happens.
1: It's exciting, Um yeah, it's a lot of building up energy. Like Mr. Fox, person after person is just getting more and more excited.
0: And so the next person we have we talk to is uh, Rabbit, who is Oryctolagus Caniculus. Caniculus? and uh,
1: I think Caniculus, like directly is Rabbit.
0: Might be, uh, and of course that's the European rabbit. And Rabbit's skill is that he's fast. That he is. And it's just it's just another thing to harp on. Fox goes up to like Mr. Rabbit, right? Yeah. And rabbit's ex-wife and children are just kind of like standing there in the background, like, "Hi, we're also a thing." Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh no, I definitely was like, mm, "Do not!" And when they didn't, uh, when they went up to mole, and I for- I'm sorry, I forgot to mention this when he was looking at mole, Kylie and Rickety were behind him, and Kylie was just yeah. like getting so excited, like he had so much anticipation. <laughs> He's like, "Mr. Fox is gonna talk to me soon," and I'm like, mm-hmm. "Oh my god, Kylie!" that little detail of like Kylie's characterization just further like really enhances and enriches the character in ways that I don't think all of the other characters get because rickety didn't really show the same kind of emotion like he seemed a little excited but not like Kylie was shaking with anticipation like it was really sweet
0: (laughs) yeah and we'll we'll get the, the end of Kylie's kind of arc through this minute later
1: Yeah, well not the end of his arc
0: well, the the arc of this, like, beat. Yeah. Then we get to uh, castor fiber, who is the uh, beaver, obviously. The Eurasian beaver, which were almost hunted to extinction, but uh, I think are relatively safe now.
1: Oh, that's good. I mean, it, beavers throughout the uh, Western world, I, I can't speak to... I don't know if beavers exist in Asia or Africa, but um, beavers' p- pelts were used for hats. So when the european beaver population was nearly depleted they were like let's find more beavers let's go to the the u.s and hunt all their beavers so
0: yep and beaver is chew through wood uh i don't know how i don't really see how that's useful yeah
1: i'm not sure either but hey fox is excited
0: and then we go over to badger meles meles
1: demolitions expert
0: <laughs> mr fox is really surprised he's like what since when
1: <laughs> honestly i would be too if my lawyer was a demolitions expert like just consider well, yeah, that it's
0: the idea that like badger has a flint mine like not only is he, is he a lawyer but he's like operating a flint mine on the side that's his side hustle
1: i mean it kind
0: of For his lawyer his side hustle a
1: lawyer might be a side hustle, but like demolitions relating to flint like it makes sense in some ways that he's a demolitions expert But it's also hilarious. It's just like, of course, Bill Murray's character is a demolitions expert. I'm not at all surprised.
0: Yeah, Bill Murray gives a great line read where he's like, explosions, flames, burning things.
1: It's so good.
0: And then we go over to Weasel, Mostella Navalis.
1: Which Mr. Fox screams at him and (laughs) violently shaking him to the point that we don't know what weasel's special skill is because weasel's yeah. so taken aback.
0: Yeah, weasel's just like,
1: "Stop yelling." Why why is Mr. Fox so excited about Weasel? Or is he just e-
0: Because Novalis is something that's fun to say.
1: Or is he just so excited about the prospects of demolitions that he's like, "Whoa, it's going to be lit here now."
0: He's he's just getting riled up. Yeah. And uh, just a friendly reminder that Wes Anderson's the voice of Stan Weasel.
1: Ah, yes. And then they turn to the kiddos.
0: Yeah, and then he's like, Ash, you, you and the other people like organize a KP unit to keep things clean down here. It's good for morale. And
1: I looked up what KP stood for because I didn't know. It stands yeah. for Kitchen Patrol and is a kind of quasi-unit intended for junior enlisted military personnel. So it mm-hmm. it's appropriate for the kids. The one thing I did notice was the kids had moved um so the rabbit children and Badger's child moved from being next to their parents to over with Agnes and Ash.
0: Yeah, it's kind of it's just kind of like a, a surreal, like not really necessary transition that we need to see them walk over. So, I like I get it. It's not no, something you need to telegraph I
1: do too, but I just like it was interesting to be like, oh, they're they've moved now. The other thing, the rabbit children, I don't think we've ever gotten a really good sense of their scale before, but they're so small,
0: yeah, one of them has like a different pattern of fur
1: yeah, it was just they were it's like darker. adorable, and I like couldn't believe
0: it ash ash spits on the ground when he realized when agnes tells him that kp means janitors the
1: return of the ear switch. Like,
0: and then he's like ash you're just making more work for yourself you're gonna have to clean that up no
1: man learn from your mistakes i mean rightfully so that ash is angry like he's been
0: he wants to help he wants to contribute yeah and and his father's still selling him short
1: absolutely speaking of short Ah. Uh... Um, the last person we get in this minute during for roll call is um, Rickety the mouse who interrupts Mr. Fox to tell him that he wants to fight
0: yeah I want to help I want to fight and uh, Rickety mouse is Microtus pennsylvanicus which is a big deal because uh, Microtus pennsylvanicus also known as the meadow vole or the field mouse is not native to the United Kingdom <laughs> what <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Micratus pensylvanicus is native to like the Americas, America and Canada, and so maybe he's an immigrant. Ricketty mouse is an invasive species, or
1: he's an immigrant.
0: That that too, I like to think that he's an invasive species. Uh, That's just more. And I'm not going to. I was real close to say to saying quote and aren't all immigrants invasive species? No, but I'm 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 drawing the line. I'm not saying that. That is not what I'm saying. No, I don't approve. In a satirical way, that would have been a funny joke,
1: but it's not. I'm
0: not saying that.
1: It's not funny. Um, No, it's. Oh, that's really interesting that he's native to the U.S. He, you know what? That kind of makes a little more. I like feel a little bit better about that because when he first started talking to Mr. Fox and Mr. Fox was like a little confused about who was talking to him, I was like, he kind of has like a New York, like New York City accent. He doesn't have like. He definitely has more of an accent than everyone else.
0: Oh, do you think? Do you think that Rickety Mouse is friends with the Cricket in Times Square? No. <laughs> you remember that book? Though? I do.
1: I, Tyler, that book's a classic.
0: I know. Yeah, it's Cricket in Times Square. He's he's the he's the Vole in Brooklyn. He's
1: the Field Mouse in Brooklyn. Sure. He's like Stuart <laughs> um, Little.
0: <laughs> Don't talk to me about Stuart Little. <laughs> okay, we should uh, we should we should actually kind of wrap it up. We've been going. Yeah for a bit here but yeah that was kind of the roll call
1: that's most of the roll call
0: don't forget uh noreen and doreen and link (laughs) yeah him too
1: well thank you all so much for listening to minute 61 of fantastic mr fox minute hope you hopefully you can join us next time for minute 62
0: condra uh i didn't get to see how to train your dragon so give them your like one sentence review and but no spoilers
1: oh my god people go see this movie it's amazing and the perfect completion to the story
0: okay cool uh we've got some guests lined up for the future get excited uh, people th- this is like this is for sure like next next episode there will be a guest get hype and so yeah join us as condor said join us for a minute 62 or more more shenanigans will occur Uh we're we're getting into stuff here we're about to hit the climax Uh, So, yeah, if you want to follow us on Twitter at Amateur Nerds or me personally at Tyler Booty, that's at T-Y-L-E-R-B-O-U-D-Y.
1: You can email us at Amateur Nerds present at gmail.com with questions, comments, thoughts about future minutes. You can also rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play and some other podcast listening sites.
0: Yeah. And we'll see you next time. I've been Tyler Boudreau. I've been Condra. And we hope you have a fantastic day.
1: Fantastic.